The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. to know the score i'm your host don delorente and i'm joined by my co-host Dwayne. what's going on Dwayne? not much uh it's a lot that's going on in the past week we got baseball down to the wire this is the best time of year is fall and my birthday's coming too so yeah um but i think you put that in the wrong order sir but yeah i understand I mean, I I gotta throw my birthday in there. You can celebrate but, yourself uh, first before you celebrate fall. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> right, right. But uh, baseball's down to the wire. We got playoff spots up for grabs. College football's in full swing. NFL's getting into the swing of things. Basketball's returning. Hockey's in preseason. This is a great time of year. I love fall. I love it. <laughs> well, we're gonna try to hit all the major stories that have taken place here in the last couple of weeks since we've last gotten together, Dwayne. So thank you to everybody who's listening to Know the Score on the CSPN. You can find the show on the web at cspn.us. You can also search for the show through iTunes, Stitch Radio, SoundCloud, any podcast app. All you have to do is search for Know the Score dash the CSPN and Know the Score. Once you subscribe to it, we'll show up in your podcast queues every time we release a new episode. All right, Dwayne, so we'll start in the NFL. We'll start with the game of the weekend. Most people were looking at the showcase matchup down in Miami where somehow the Miami Dolphins defeated the Buffalo Bills 21-19. There are some special teams gaffes by the Bills. There was some exhaustion by the Bills, who ran like 90-something plays in an NFL game, which is just unheard of. And, they, they, uh, and, they can and, handle that for the heat. Yeah, and they still lost to the undefeated Miami Dolphins, who, as we record this, are stepping on the field against the Cincinnati Bengals in a Thursday night matchup. So we'll see what they, oh, they, they, yeah, what they got left in the tank. But... uh Miami with a statement game that this wasn't the fireworks that Tua had last week against Baltimore fourth quarter comeback all that. This was just more of a, hey, let's figure out how we can get this W type of game. And they grinded out a win. So does this tell you more about Miami or more about Buffalo in this past week's win for the Dolphins? I Yeah, so kind of cut out on on me a little bit, but um, I, I I think the big one of the biggest acquisitions that nobody really talked about. I mean, you had the Tyreek acquisition. I mean, that was huge, obviously, but I think one that's really gone unnoticed, and I think he's making a lot of noise is Melvin Ingram. Uh, he's been a huge difference maker on that line. And 
he has been wrecking shop all over the place. And this was, and I think one of, on that side of the ball, the defense side of the ball, Dolphins already had a pretty stout secondary as it was led by Xavier Howard. And they got a pretty good linebacking core, but their defensive line uh, needed a little bit of work. But Melvin Ingram single-handedly has been a one-man wrecking crew on that on that line for these first three games of the season, and and he definitely deserves a lot of recognition, and he's definitely been noticed on my my end, and uh, I think. We saw a lot of frustration from Josh Allen. Like I said, they couldn't really handle that Florida heat as bad enough. It's already hot and humid down in South Florida. Then Bill's wearing the dark uniforms, which doesn't help matters. Um, and and Miami just took advantage. Uh, one thing to a tackle of law is a tough SOB. I thought he was done after he was literally was wobbling. He was on wobbly legs. He goes back, finishes the game, and and yeah, the Dolphins. You know they're they're legit. I really am starting to be a believer, and Mike McDaniel's done a great job uh, down there uh, with this team and. And uh, can't wait! I can't wait for the rematch in Buffalo. See how Miami handles that cold weather in uh, Orchard Park. But for now, you know, was, you know, you're only as good as your last game, and Dolphins have been good in their last three. So that's the way I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, there's a lot to like about Mike McDaniel. If you're a Dolphins fan, he seems to not get too caught up or too concerned with what he planned to do. And if this is what we need to do, he seems very quick to adjust to that. Very much so. And I think what really, really stands out, you know, is it's, it's every drive. So it's like if a drive, if something doesn't work, okay, this is what we need to do. Let's try this. And and so my the one thing I'm going to be looking out for going forward from them, especially, you know, should the Dolphins lose. I mean, they're 3-0 right now. I mean, you know, we're not going to get into the whole 72 thing at the moment. Uh, but, uh, you know, how they're going to respond from adversity if they – because uh, it is going to come up eventually, you know. Like, you know, any given Sunday, or in this case Thursday, um, things are going to happen, and we'll just see how if that same same energy uh, during the game happens uh, following a defeat. So, some of the other notable scores we had the. The Colts get off the schneid. They have the weird distinction of being 1-1-1 one, one, and one as they defeated the Kansas City Chiefs at home in what a lot of people would consider an upset. Uh, there is some video going around, some discord between Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy with uh, Andy Reid kind of having to be the peacekeeper there. Things not clicking on all cylinders. 
uh, for Kansas City, as we saw uh, in the first game. Uh, the Colts, kind of big disappointment early in the season, especially for me, as I picked them to be a real threat, threat to go to the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. But uh, Matt Ryan off to a slow start, but they found a way to get this one done. So my question to you, sir, should we be concerned with Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy having words? I think that was at halftime they were going in. There were yeah. Little, some some issues there. Or was it yeah. just two competitors uh, trying to get on the same page and get things going in the second half? Yeah, I think that's all it was. I mean, I, Patrick Mahomes wanted to run one more play before halftime, and Eric Bieniemy was like, we don't need to do that. We're good. Uh, you can literally just see the the words just saying we're good, we're good. And I think Patrick, the, you know, being the competitor that he is, I think he was just more wanting to go, go, go. And I just think it's nothing to really read into uh, currently. Now, if something was, uh, you know, if this affects him going forward, which... I definitely don't see happening. Then, then, uh, then they'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But Airbnb knows that Patrick Mahomes is is his guy. Like uh, that offense does that offense. You know, even though it was not all that great against the Colts this past weekend. And the Colts have a very underrated defense on top of that. And the energy that the the energy from Matt Ryan and the offense finally matched the defense, which uh, led to the upset. And, you know, nobody really had, had uh, Indianapolis winning this game. I certainly would not have put my money on it, but... Whoever did win got some big time dough. Um, but there's nothing to read into. I think, you know, you get caught up in the moment. You want to push the ball down the field. Uh, a very interesting concept. Uh, not, maybe even Andy Reid was probably the one that told Airbnb just to go to the half. So. Uh, there's a lot of nuances that we don't know about, but just for the sake of speculation, I think there's nothing to read into. All right, we had Lamar Jackson continuing his push for that half a billion dollar guaranteed contract as uh, he just keeps doing what he's been doing early on this season, just put the ball in the end zone as the Ravens defeated the Patriots 37-26. Very last play of the game, Mac Jones, high ankle sprain. Uh, there's It's New England, so you don't know until the game actually starts and you don't see Mac Jones not on the field uh, what the status and severity of his injury is. There's been reports he needs surgery. Uh, there's other reports that he's going to try to play on Sunday. So, you know, we'll just find out like everybody else does uh, during their next game. But um, – Baltimore bouncing back after blowing that big lead uh, down in my uh, to Miami at home last week. Uh, just talk about the Ravens. Talk about Lamar, the progression that you've seen in him so far through three games. 
uh, in this, you know, basically prove it year for himself. He's basically showing that he can throw in the pocket. Uh, that's been, I think that's been the biggest knock on him is, is, um, the fact that he can't throw in the pocket and he is definitely shown like the down to Mark Andrews in the New England game was amazing. He had another beautiful down to Devin DuVernay and we already know what he does with the legs, but it's really the fact that he's calm in the pocket. He doesn't panic. He's cool under pressure and the line's giving them plenty of time to make decisions, make throws, extend plays, and and I even said it during the game. I'm, I just said, you know, I have the Ravens like pay Lamar at this point because uh, early on, and you know, like I said, we always get caught up in the moment, but. I was caught up in the moment of seeing how great Lamar has been doing. And they need that going forward. And I think I think that's going to be the – if he can continue to do that, if he can continue to showcase, showcase what he's doing, then the Ravens will definitely have to open up that checkbook. And if they don't, somebody else definitely will. Got a lot of concerns over on the Patriots side, man. Um, the defense, not what it has been the past couple of years. Mac Jones off to a super slow start this year. Uh, is it time to panic in New England? I mean, we knew, we knew Brady was the guy. So I think Patriot Nation shouldn't be expecting. I mean, Bill Belichick's got a lot of work to do. And I don't see how Mac Jones is going to play on Sunday. Like, that was a very, very severe high ankle sprain. And those things, unless he's got some kind of super healing power that he doesn't want to share, there's no way that man is playing on Sunday. I, I just can't see it. It, it would be a liability. Uh, Brian Hoyer probably will you know, the Brian Hoyer experience throughout going to return. Um, but yeah, I think maybe it is probably time to hit that panic button in New England a little bit. Um, you know, it's been a long time since the Patriots haven't had a season. I mean, I think when Brady got hurt was not even that because when Brady got hurt then. Oh wait, the Patriots still won the ease with Matt Castle. That's so that was the rise of Matt Castle. So, um, no, the Dolphins won that year twelve and four. That's when they broke out the Wildcat. Oh uh, yeah, that's the right. But, one game back, eleven and five. Yeah, they were a wild. They were a wild card. I knew they still made the playoffs, but, um, but at the end of the day, I, I think there's a lot of concern. There's a lot of. And, I, and at the same time, I think this team is also 
also on the older side. So they're they're gonna it's it's gonna probably be time to either you know retool or rebuild you know the ugly R word in Foxborough. Uh, before we get to the teams that we're uh, interested in, we'll talk about one more interesting score. The Jaguars go on the road to L.A. and uh, they put a number on the Chargers, 38-10. to 10. Justin Herbert did play with the, uh, the barbecue ribs. Probably not the wisest thing to do. Uh, the Bosa that plays for the Chargers, he got hurt. What else is new? Injured growing, he's going to ha- uh, have to miss some time on the IR. Uh, just not a good day for the Chargers, but a very impressive day for Doug Peterson, Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence. They continue to impress offensively. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, leaders of the AFC South. Can Jacksonville be the class of the AFC South, Dwayne? Absolutely. I mean, Jacksonville has as many wins in the Doug Peterson era as they did in the Urban Meyer era. <laughs> and, um, and you know, Tennessee's got some – Tennessee's got some struggles right now. Uh, we saw the Colts, you know, even though they got that upset, I still don't trust them just yet. And, and the Texans are – not as good as they're not as good as the rest of the division. It's going to be a Tennessee and Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's got a real good chance to to uh, show up and show out. And and uh, definitely think they have what it takes to be the class of the AFC South. Um, it'll just be interesting to see what's going, what they do going forward. I mean, we've seen Doug Peterson has success with, with, um, with the with the young quarterback at the helm, and even and he has an even more talented quarterback. At you know, Eagles Carson Wentz was definitely a talented individual. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence is even better, and the offense is humming. The defense is playing inspired ball, and and yeah, Jacksonville definitely has a chance to make a lot of noise in the AFC South. Your uh, Carolina Kitty Cats—they made some noise this weekend. They get the win over the New Orleans Saints. Why do I got? Why do I got? Why do I got go kitty cats, man? Why do I? Sir Pearl. Carolina right? Panthers. Sir Pearl. Yes. Right? Yeah, that sounds like something a kitty cat would do, Pearl. Mm, anyways. <laughs> Speak on it. Uh, your defense came through for my fantasy team. So was it as impressive in real life football as it appeared in my fantasy sheet? Yeah, I mean, Derrick Brown, one-handed interception. Uh, Brian Burns with the subtle shade. Sounds like he might have thought it was a burger. Um, J. 
J.C. Horn, game ending, interception, Jameis Winston with doing his classic YOLO throws as always. Um, it's never a Jameis Winston game without a YOLO throw. Um, yeah, they shut him out for most of the, for all of the first half, uh, pretty good in the second half. Uh, Baker Mayfield still trying to gel with the offense. Uh, was struck, had another game where he didn't do all that great, uh, but he did enough to get the win. I mean, he had a 67-yard pass to LaVisca Chanel with a screen. Um, that was really the difference maker. Christian McCaffrey, um, over 100 yards. Um, and it was just an impressive game all around. Defenses did their job. At, well, defense has always done their job all season. Uh, it was finally good to see the offense match it. However, the Saints did score under 16 points, which the Panthers are 10 0 in the Matt Rule era when that happens. However, in the league where offense is reigning supreme, and if the magic number is always going to be 16 to 17 because of the Panther score or allow 17 or more points, they are still an abysmal 1 in 25. So, still a lot to work to do. A juggernaut offense is coming into Charlotte on Sunday. Uh, Barring, barring the remnants of Ian, prayers to all the those in Florida affected by Hurricane Ian, and definitely in the Carolinas, please be safe as well. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be yeah the pan yeah the Panthers played well this week once again as as um. We stayed before we came on. I love football this week, and hopefully, I'll be loving football for two weeks in a row after nine games of hating it. Uh, yeah, I'll put you. I'll put myself in that column of not liking football too much the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Commanders have stuck up the joint in the first half, looking like the Washington Generals. Uh, have made it very non-competitive and non-interesting after one half of football uh, last week in Detroit. They're down 22 to nothing. Stormed back to make it a game in the second half, but, you know, too little too late as most of the times when you spot an NFL team 22 points no matter how bad they are. And then this week they spotted a good team in the Philadelphia Eagles, 24 points in the first half. Philly just took the foot off the gas and was like, okay, yeah, you guys aren't going to threaten us here. Uh, so the final score was 24-8. to eight. Carson Wentz did not have any type of revenge or retribution against his uh, former team. Uh, it was actually the other way around as Philadelphia sacked him nine times uh, in just a total mismatch in coaching and personnel and uh, awareness and, and acumen. It was a whooping in all facets and phases of football from the uh, front office down to the amount of people that were in the fans in the stands cheering for Philly and Washington's home stadium. 
So, yeah, it was a miserable Sunday of football if you're a fan of the Commanders. Um, just a total – just uh, like the defense actually played pretty good. They did some things to slow down Philadelphia and keep the game competitive for two-thirds of a half, but their offense was just not capable of doing anything and the amount of time on the field just finally caught up with the defense. And once Philly kind of hit on some things, they, uh, they they went back to those things and they scored points. Scored 24 of them in the second quarter. And that was pretty much the ball game. And again, another week where Ron Rivera's team, another season as well, where Ron Rivera's team just starts slow. They just don't, they don't adjust well in game. They don't adjust well in the season. And, you know, that kind of is not the way the NFL is right now. It's a fast-paced game where, you know, if it's not – if what you drew up all week ain't working in the first two drives, you got to throw that shit in the trash can and uh, figure out what you can do and build your game plan off of that on the fly because um, if you stick with your stuff that you uh, drew up that's not working for too long, uh, yeah, every week you'll end up 22-24 to nothing uh, in the first half. So – yeah, Washington's battling some, uh, some some real scheme and coaching uh, issues right now. So we'll see if they can get that corrected this week. They got to go down to Dallas and uh, face uh, their monster of a defense. Uh, they lead the league in sacks and quarterback pressures. So good luck to my commanders figuring out how they're going to slow down Micah Parsons and and that crew. But uh, you know, it'll be a heck of a challenge for them to try to come up with something. But it's the NFL just when you think they're at their most down and out. That's when they come up and surprise you. So maybe this weekend Washington will be the team that's surprising folks. Uh, let's just talk about uh, real quick Tampa Bay in the, Green Bay. In the old black, though. <sighs> okay. <laughs> and, and, and then also, also. Could be a funeral, the, you know. The, the, last, the last time, the last time Washington was. One and two, they did break it to the playoffs. <laughs> Man, look, we are. I'm trying to be optimistic we here. We are about two more games, two more bad games on offense away from having to have a real serious conversation about, okay, just how long do we allow Carson Wentz to play? Oh, man. Yeah. Because, I mean, what, what happened on this past weekend was awful. It, I mean, it was awful from a play-calling standpoint and a game plan, game plan uh, standpoint. But it was also poorly quarterbacked as well. So, it was it was not good. But, uh, like I said, uh, we'll talk about uh, two more games. We'll talk about uh, Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Uh, where uh, t- yeah, Green Bay gets the win 14-12. to as Tom can't convert the two-point conversion after they got a penalty, after they drove, uh, like, was it, like 90-something yards in the last three minutes to uh, get into the end zone, needed the two-point conversion to try to send the game into overtime. They got a delayed game, uh, so they had to try the uh, conversion from the seven-yard line. Uh, that pass fell incomplete, and so Green Bay holds, holds on. Um, defensive struggle here. Both teams really stellar on defense, but uh, it was a Green Bay with the win. So, um, 
did you draw any conclusion to maybe who has the advantage, who's the better team, or were the Bucks so banged up uh, in their receiving core that it's kind of hard to evaluate? And this game is probably about as razor thin in the margin. It's probably about how as close these teams are as well. Yeah, there was nothing to really write about uh, in regards to this game. Honestly, I think that I think that um, for the for the um, yeah, nothing really right about. Um, I, you just gotta give the defenses a lot of credit in this game. Um, I mean, these are you have two probably of the best quarterbacks in this era who have, like, a boatload of MVPs between them. Um, you got all the Brady Super Bowls and Rodgers won. And we expected a shootout. I'm sure Fox expected a shootout marketing as the game of the week, and they ended up getting a 14-12 game. So uh, give the defense a lot of credit. Uh, I think this was just a... Uh, this uh, you guys, just this is when you just got to tip your cap, and it just wasn't either number twelve's day, it wasn't Brady's day, it wasn't Rogers' day. Aaron Jones was stuffed; uh, he couldn't get anything going, and and you just got like I said, this is credit the defenses and credit Green Bay's defense because they made the play at the end to hold on to get the win. Talk about the Cowboys getting a victory on Monday night, moving their record uh, to two and one. Uh, they were left for dead after the opening night loss to Tampa Bay and the injury to Dak Prescott. But Cooper Rush has come in, proving himself in, in a in a you know where he's able to take the reps and have practice and you know lead into the game as a starter to be a capable uh, quarterback. So Dallas seems to, you know, be headed in the right direction when it looked like their season was doom and gloom. And uh, I was very impressed with the Giants, even though they came up on the losing end of this, even though they could not protect Daniel Jones. I still thought that Dayball and uh, and Daniel Jones managed to do enough to move the ball, and and, and they were in that game. Uh, their defense is just so feast or famine, though, with the way the style that they play with the blitzing and the aggressive aggression that they have on defense. So, you know, <laughs> you can go from, a, you know, a sack to a touchdown in, you know, the next play. So, um, anything that stood out to you in, in that game as we wrap up this week in the NFL? Uh, in that game, I don't think there was really anything that, that was um, that stood out to me. I think I just think that the better team just won that game, and on that day, it just wasn't it just wasn't the Giants. Uh, you know, is it a come back down to earth moment? Not really. I mean, I'll give it a few. I get a few more. Um, uh, 
was to regular a few more games, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, I still don't trust Daniel Jones. I probably never will trust Daniel Jones unless it's one of, it's one of those prove me wrong kind of things at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I just, I just can't, I'm not, I won't be one to put like my chips on that man. Um, he's, he's just, he's a glorified backup. He's got mobility. He's got mobility. And, you know, and I think that's what makes that Panthers also frustrating. I think Frankie Lubu had he not dropped the pick. He made up for it this week. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he made up for it this week, uh, forcing that fumble. But, um, you know, that was a game that definitely should have been won. But Giants should be one and two, if we're being honest. But, hey, things happen, and they are two and one still. And I just don't trust them just yet. I just I can't trust them just yet. I like the coaching. I like Dave Ball as a coach. I just think they probably need better uh, quarterback play, and also they need they need to figure out what to do with Kenny Galladay uh, because you know he been paid a lot of money to not catch a ball, uh, so they need to figure that out. They need to figure, yeah, figure out. The Kenny Galladay situation, they need to get better strength and conditioning on defense. I think if they do that, then they'll be in much better shape. Looking ahead to Week Four, some of the marquee matchups we've got: we've got the Jaguars two and one taking on the Eagles three and zero. So Doug Peterson coming back to his old stopping grounds. That's a very interesting matchup. We've got the Bills at 2-1-1 taking on the Ravens at 2-1-1. So, Lamar versus Josh Allen head-to-head. That is going to be the game of the day and a lot of fun. And then, in the Sunday night game, we've got the Chiefs taking on the Bucks. So, a rematch of the Super Bowl from a couple of years ago. And the Rams are taking on the 49ers on Monday night football. So the Rams with uh, kind of struggling a little bit, not looking as explosive um, as they did towards the end of last year. 49ers with Jimmy G trying to get things back on track uh, after their abysmal loss in Denver uh, the other night. Uh, the Commanders taking on the Cowboys in a, in, a, in a game that they really, really need to win, not just play well in, but win. And then your Carolina Panthers, Dwayne, are taking on Arizona. Uh, they've got the Cardinals uh, coming into town. So, your thoughts initially uh, before we move on uh, about the Cardinals and Panthers? Uh, what do Panthers have to do to get that win? Oh, you're on mute again. Yeah, so I think for I think Carolina, they just got to find a way to um, have a balanced attack. Baker Mayfield will need to 
really kind of keep up with his um, former backup at Oklahoma. Um, I think that, well, we got to see what Christian McCaffrey's status in there. Uh, he was, he's basically been kind of like mom on his health this mm-hmm. week. Yeah, so he's been kind of mum on his health. Uh, even Baker Mayfield said he's gone zero dark thirty. Um, so, like, only only see Mac knows what's going on with that. Um, uh, the defense, I think they just have to. I think probably put uh, J.C. Horn. You know, it, but J.C. Horn, uh, this past week, J.C. Horn, he had a, a zero. He had a zero passer rating allowed. Uh, he's been looking fantastic. Uh, if Dante Jackson can get healthy and stay on the field, that would really help out as well. Uh, the, the line is... The line looking good. The linebackers, um, the linebackers looking all right. So the defense, if the offense can just get it together, I'm not still not a fan of Ben McAdoo. I thought he would be. I thought he would be one of those coaches where, you know, just stay as the offensive coordinator. But uh, he hasn't been coordinating all that great, and. You know, I, I'm not even opposed to the whole pay for Bryce Young guy kind of thing. So, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you still want, you know, when you're on the field, you want to get the win. You want to, you know, get that, get that going. So, we'll uh, see what happens with Carolina. Uh, it's going to be fun to gonna be here in the Oklahoma narrative probably all weekend long, all game long. Uh, the whole Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray story. So, yeah, be prepared. All right, so that's week four coming up in the NFL. So we'll go for a transition into MLB, Major League Baseball. Aaron Judge, 61 home runs into the stands as of last night. He has tied the Yankee record. He has tied the American League record. He has tied Roger Maris at 61 home runs. He is currently leading the American League in batting average. He is the triple crown leader. He is on his way to the largest contract in the history of baseball. It's a race in my mind to who gets the five. <laughs> if the Yankees pay him. Yeah, well, somebody's going to pay him. It's a race to who gets the 500 first. Is it going to be Aaron Judge or is it going to be Lamar Jackson? So, uh, just speak on Aaron Judge. Get ready to Come into the negotiation table with triple crown stats and who knows, maybe 63, 64 home runs. I mean, there's a certain owner in Queens that has the money for it. You better. Well, that would be huge if that ever happened. They better hope that you get at least five good years of health. So you get ROI. Right. Right, so, um, so that's gonna be interesting. 
but Hank and Hal Steinbrenner, they definitely didn't inherit their daddy's um, open wallet uh, gene. Uh, they've been really more stingy when it comes to these kinds of things, which, you know, far cry from George Steinbrenner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think George Steinbrenner will roll over his grave and see what his sons have been doing. Um, and so, with that being said, it's going to be very, there are, you have the Dodgers, you have, I would say the Angels, I don't know if Marty Moreno's nah, tired of. Sale mode, so probably not them. Yeah, because, you know, it's really egregious to have two generational talents and be as bad as you are. Like, that's, it's, that's, it's unacceptable. That's, like, very unacceptable. Um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think the Alice as of right now, Alice really two teams, uh, three teams if if Hank and Hal don't be cheap. Uh, but it would be either the Dodgers, the Mets, or the Yankees. Who um, would be able to pony up that kind of money and I would say the Padres but the Padres are kind of another star cross franchise they they literally have another 500 million dollar man in a roster right there Juan Soto yeah. but they but Fernando Tatis screwed that up with his uh, suspension so um, which clearly paid the way for the Dodgers to waltz their way to the NOS. And, but I, yeah, I think it just comes down to those three teams, and it'll just be, there is going to be a very interesting winner when these uh, winter meetings start and, and the negotiations begin. Um, You've got your New York Mets in first place by one game over the hard-charging Atlanta Braves. We're coming down the stretch, sir. How do you feel? We're at game, I think this is game 156 today. So how do you feel six more games left about trying to secure the division title? Contrary to what you may think, I actually feel all right. I think it's going to come down to, I mean, this weekend literally is going to determine the division. And I do feel good. I, you know, when it comes to being a Mets fan, you always have to err on the side of caution. And this has been a season where I haven't had to do that as much. Uh, I've seen this team battle, and I've seen this team. I've seen this team 
you know, they even when you think they're down and out, they find they find a way to just show that effort. And that hasn't been that hasn't been shown in a good six or seven years. Um and so, you know, this is very important because not only is it for the NL East, it's for that uh, by the division series to avoid uh, playing uh, a best of three, you know. And of course, the alternative—I mean, if you do play the wild card, you get all three games at home. So, um, so that that's that is an advantage, even if the even if the um, whoever doesn't win the division, they still have that advantage. But no. You want to get as close to the World Series as possible, so you want to avoid that wild card round. And, but I feel good about it. I feel, you know, I'm excited for this this weekend. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a war. You know, it's gonna be a, you know, a lot has uh, been said. The Braves. Have been hard charging, but they can't seem to hold the lead when they get it either. Mm-hmm. So it's not just you know the Mets have probably been last, but the Braves are a hell of a team. I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna discount that, but I want the same respect in this sense because the Mets have been a hell of a team this season as well, and made the best team win. Well, we are definitely coming down the stretch, and we will find out who is the best team. Uh, the Atlanta Braves have been charging hard in the second half of the season. The Mets are trying to make it to the end and have the wire-to-wire lead in the National League East. Uh, the wild card races are pretty much um, spoken for. looks like uh, the Rays and, and uh, the Blue Jays made you know, switch positions here. Uh, there uh, to see who is the first wild card, but in the National League, things are pretty much summed up a little bit. Philly's been falling back into the clutches here uh, the last couple of weeks, and uh, they've gotten some competition uh, from behind uh, in the wild card race. But I think Philly's going to right themselves and and hang on. Uh, Albert Pujols, he put himself in the record books. He hit his 700th career home run, so now he is there with. The greats of all time, Barry Bonds, uh, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and now uh, Albert Pujols. So congratulations to him uh, and his illustrious career as it is coming to an end as well. Now, anything else you'd like to add before we move on from Major League Baseball, Dwayne? You're on mute again. I'm going to save this for my final thought okay. uh, because this is more, this is a, this is a direct message to baseball peers. So. All right. So we'll, we'll jump over to the NBA where the last time that we left you guys, uh, was just coming down about Robert Sarver and the, uh, the workplace violations and uh, the, uh, the 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 sexist and racist comments and the culture that he was fostering there, and Adam Silver came out with the suspension. Uh, it has been since 
the new development as Sarver has agreed to sell the Mercury and the Suns. So uh, they're going to be looking for a new ownership. Uh, they're going to be ran by some type of like trust this year. Um, those are the off the court issues. Then we got on the court issues with Monty Williams and uh, DeAndre Ayton, aka Amar Starwin. I swear they're the same two people. Um, as uh, Monty Williams and uh, and Ayton haven't spoken to each other since uh, last year's playoffs. So uh, the Phoenix Suns, man. Uh, let's start with the off the court stuff with Sarver. Um, the public cry was to well, not really the public cry, but the cry among in the league was to try to get this guy out of the paint, they really didn't necessarily have a legitimate way to do it as forcefully as they hit did Donald Sterling. But Sarver falls on his own sword, uh, you know, it's going to take the billions of dollars he's going to million, at least hundreds of million of dollars he's going to make from selling the franchise and uh, go on down the road. Uh, so um, your, your thoughts about Sarver being pressured or coming to his senses and selling the team. You're still on mute. So the the um I think it's the right thing to do. I think the statement he kind of put out was a little disingenuous. Basically calling out calling out quote unquote cancel culture without saying the word cancel culture. Basically calling it an unforgiving climate, but there's a difference between an unforgiving climate and a lack of accountability. And the statement they put out was showed more of a lack of accountability than an unforgiving climate. And yes, yeah, it was the right thing to do. I mean, it's just and you uh, foster this toxic environment, this these um yeah, this toxic environment, this negative environment, like you know, how is Sunday able to get to the Western Conference Finals? I mean the NBA finals, I should say, in twenty twenty one is still pretty remarkable given everything that was going on behind the scenes that we didn't know about at the time. And then then you have the issues with um, DeAndre and Monty Williams which uh, ultimately led to Aiden going to Indiana. Um, And but it's kind of like the Suns are, I mean, they still have Chris Paul. I mean, as long, I think as long as you got a, you got an elite player there, like CP3, uh, with Devin Booker, uh, Mikhail Bridges is going to have to step up a little bit more in the season. Uh, it's really going to be a make or break year for Jalen Smith, who was a first round pick a few years ago. And so it's going to, there's definitely going to be a lot going on in Phoenix that, and of course with the Mercury, they had uh, Brittany Griner on their minds all season. 
uh, really, they have their own coaching chemistry issues as well. And uh, Scott Dennis-Smith kind of taking a break to refocus herself. And a lot, yeah, there's been just a lot going going on in the Valley of the Sun that, you know, quite frankly, we didn't know about. But it's just, uh, it's just one of those things where it's the right thing to do. It's time to, you know, they need... They need somebody that will nurture this team, foster a positive culture, an inclusive culture, and and uh, and that's what just as toxic breeds negativity. If you can foster and nurture a good environment, you'll have a positive result. Yeah, definitely a. Uh, a difficult situation, especially coming into the season, try to focus on playing basketball when everybody just wants to talk about your owner and the culture and, and, and what you've experienced and what you can testify to as what was wrong, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So, uh, yeah, those players are definitely going to have to um, show a lot of resolve and a lot of focus early uh, in the season here just to get through the – the media slog of answering questions about Sarver uh, each and every day. Uh, then we'll turn to uh, some other off-the-court uh, news uh, that is uh, – I've been waiting to hear about this from you. as uh, your guy, Umi Adoka, the man who led the Celtics back to the finals this year in his first official season as head coach of the Celtics, taking over for Brad Stevens, has been suspended one year Basically, for violating one of the tried and true rules of sports, don't be fraternizing with none of the help. But through whatever means and whatever devices and whatever security forms, uh, it was unearthed that uh, Coach Adoka was out here having consensual relations as we've heard or maybe been debated here over the past couple of days, uh, with a staffer on the Celtics. And uh, through that, he has been suspended for this season. Uh, and his coaching career may be in jeopardy uh, in general, uh, depending on what happens uh, after this is resolved with the Celtics. So, Dwayne, this is your team, sir. You have the floor to uh, express your thoughts on uh, – the news of Umi Adoka and uh, this relationship with uh, a staffer on the Celtics. And I don't know why the Celtics didn't win the title because this man was horny. So, <laughs> so that I had to get that out of my system. But uh, yeah, I think this is this one. Uh, so you go in. You go into this uh, new job, and I'm sure they tell you, and I'm sure it's in your contract, that there are rules or policies or regulations that we follow. Like, if your position of power is kind of like, when you're a supervisor and you have 
relations with one of your staff members. But, you know, you can't do it. Whether it's consensual or not, if, if it's against the company policy, you shouldn't be doing it. And I want to say, I think this really more occurred because the staffer's husband reported it to the Celtics. And because the staffer's husband reported it to the Celtics, this is why it became bigger news than what it could have. Because it could have been just handled internally, just said this is conduct detrimental to the team. Some disciplinary action. Yeah, it didn't really do him any favors, uh, public relations wise, with how they handled this. It seemed like um, this was more of a personal type of uh, way to handle this. Um, they could have, like you said, um, gone about this in a in a in a hey, you know, breaking news. Domi uh, Yudoka has. Uh, uh, stepping away from the Celtics, he's citing personal reasons, and right. such and such is going to take over for next year, and 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 the Celtics will, you know, inform us, you know, later, you know, going forward, a press conference to announce the new coach. Yeah, <laughs> that that press conference was atrocious as well. Um, Wick, Brad Stevens, they they should. With respect, I think this could have like this was just an epic fail on the handling of this situation. Because really, at the end of the day, this was this really should not have been out there, mm-hmm. and this should not have been out there. This should have this should have been handled. Internally, like you said, uh, personal reasons, conduct detrimental to the team. Um, they could have been real big about it. There's a policy violation, and we will we'll either not discuss further or we'll disclose at a later date. Now, whether reports are that Things just got out of hand, and uh, Stafford didn't want those advances anymore. That's a whole other story. I, I just I do know though that it was reported by the Stafford's husband, and you know we don't know what goes on in anybody's home behind closed doors. We don't know what's going on with Ime and Mia Long. We don't. We don't know what is. Is it? Is it? You know, we speculate. We, you know, Twitter's gonna. Twitter's gonna have the jokes fly. That's just because that's just the Twitter culture. That's just what, especially NBA Twitter and Black Twitter, and that's just the culture that. That's been fostering it. Uh, that's going to is going to happen. Um, Do you think that he 
gets after this year is up and they reevaluate it, do you think that he gets he gets his job back with the Celtics? I think he gets his job back with the Celtics. Um I think at the end of the depending on what happens they're going to I think whatever this whatever requirements that they set forth for him, I think he'll follow them. Uh, and I because if they were gonna fire him, they would have fired him already. It's like if you're not gonna why keep why suspend him for a year? If if this was a serious violation, why you wouldn't to you wouldn't suspend him if you weren't really strongly considering keeping him. Now, if uh, Joe Mazzola does a heck of a job as the uh, replacement coach for Ime Udoka, then it'll probably be an easier decision at that point. And but this is gonna it's gonna take some time and. You know, I really, you know, I really want this season kind of fast forward to see what happens in the future. But this is going to be a storyline pretty much all season long, and I just hope that everybody is prepared in Boston for for what's to come in that regard. Um. As far as Boston goes, um, if they do decide to move on from a different to a new coach, um, how do you think that affects Tatum and Brown uh, coming up as young players looking to sign extensions with Boston? Do you think that that may uh, change their thoughts and their opinions? It'll have that much of an effect. I think. I think the culture and the team speaks for itself. So I think JT and JB enjoy playing with one another and I don't think it'll have any any um, effects on it. I think they trust uh, Joe Mazzullo. Um, the most of the staff is still there. Will Hardy could get a call. Uh, he's an head coach in Utah now, but I think I think the Boston job, if it becomes open, would be appealing to him, and he would likely return. Alright. Alright, Dwayne, well, at this point, man, I'm going to turn it over to you for your shout-outs and your final thought. You're still on mute, Dwayne. Shout out to the uh, CSPN. Shout out to my listeners. Um, all my people in the Carolinas and in Florida. Um, hope you are safe and will continue to stay safe um, as Hurricane Ian barreled through Florida, regenerating in the Atlantic and headed towards the Carolinas this weekend. Um, 
my final thought is uh, baseball purists. I can't stand baseball purists. Um, everybody with the Aaron Judge uh, record, uh, everybody wants to consider him the home run king and whatnot, but these were the same people who fell in love with this home run chase in 1998 and want to act self-righteous. Um, listen, 98 happened, 2001 happened, McGuire, Bond, Sosa, yes, they're all tied to the steroid era. Hell, Barry Bonds hasn't even it hasn't been even proven. I mean, we can assume, but in the court of public opinion, obviously, but nothing's been proven. So, at the end of the day, um, these baseball purists just still have to accept the fact that. 73 home runs happened, 70 home runs happened, the chase of 98 happened, the NL record is still 73, the Major League record is still 73, and Barry Bonds is still at the top of the list. That's my final thought for today. Alright. My final thought will be college football. Uh, Shout out, congratulations to uh, the Tennessee Volunteers and their fans as they finally defeated Florida for the first time in forever. 38-33, uh, to 33, they almost gave up the ghost at the end, but they decided they wanted to hold on and be victorious. Uh, shout out to Middle Tennessee State. Went down to Miami and shocked the Hurricanes 45-31. to 31. Uh, Shout out to Oregon, who scored uh, something ridiculous like 20, 24 points in like Seven minutes. I was watching the end of that game to 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 somehow get the win over Washington State. Uh, Washington State's got a young quarterback that that could be uh, up and coming here. Uh, you get a little bit more experience. Uh, crazy game down in Jerry World. Texas A and M survived and beat Arkansas twenty three twenty one. Um, and then that sets up a really big weekend this weekend because Clemson survived against Wake Forest a double overtime. The game of the day, unless you were watching Maryland and Michigan, as uh, Michigan held on to beat Maryland, thirty-four to twenty-seven. But Clemson and Wake Forest, fifty-one to forty-five, double overtime. Uh, Clemson just found a way to to, to win that game. Uh, every time Wake Forest went up, they'd answer. So lots of resilience uh, from Clemson, and that sets up NC State versus Clemson. Top 10 matchup. We got NC State at number 10, Clemson at number 5. Biggest game in the ACC to happen for a very long time. Looks like they're going to be playing it, you know, kind of in the remnants of an end. It should be out of South Carolina by the time the game starts, but who knows what conditions the field is going to be in, so it may give NC State a fighting chance to pull off the upset over Clemson. We've also got Wake Forest and Florida State, 22 and 23, uh, facing off another ACC matchup, two teams in the top 25. We've got Oklahoma at nine, or excuse me, Oklahoma State at nine, taking on Baylor at 16 in the Big 12. So another uh, top 25 matchup. 
We got number two, Alabama, taking on number 20, Arkansas. So that should be a lot of fun. And uh, we got Kentucky taking on Ole Miss. That's a battle of number seven and number 14. So caught up on your college football. Georgia, they had a little sleepwalking game against uh, Kent State this past week. Um, closer than the experts think, as Lee Corso would say. Uh, but uh, nothing to be alarmed about. Uh, they've got some teams that they're not really going to have to do much to beat in the next few weeks before they really play a contending team again. So Georgia's going to have to do some things to stay motivated and stay entertained, keep themselves sharp until they you know, face some stiffer competition. But uh, all eyes are going to be on this NC State-Clemson game this weekend. We'll see if NC State uh, is finally up to the task. It's been uh, – a decade of Dave Dorn trying to build this program to get to this moment. They're ranking in the top ten. They're playing Clemson. They got the big spotlight game, so this is the time for them to come through, and we'll see if they can do it. Uh, so I like to give a shout out to Kansas football. <laughs> yes, Kansas football undefeated. Uh, defeated Duke this past weekend to remain undefeated. So battle of the blue bloods went to Kansas. Uh, give a shout-out to Dwayne for joining me here once again on Another Score. Thank you to all the fans of the CSPN, everybody who listens and uh, contributes to the Patreon page, and also <clears throat> excuse me, supports our sponsors on CSPN.us. We uh, greatly appreciate everybody uh, listening. Uh, please rate and review the podcast. Uh, give us five stars. Let everybody know what we're doing here on Know the Score. So for my co-host, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and Nat. You know the score.